Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, get ready to be energized and have some serious fun. This is the Energetic Education Podcast. Introducing your host, Dale Sidebottom. Welcome to episode number 41 of the podcast. Today, we're really fortunate. We're interviewing Luke Canelli, who is going to talk to us all about teaching in all abilities and special needs schools. Now, Luke's going to go through his background as a teacher and how he sort of got to be where he is at the moment. And at the age of 31, Luke is a a deputy principal of a really big special needs school in the Gold Coast, which is in Queensland in Australia. And um, Luke talks about not only uh, the the amazing benefits of teaching students in special needs, but he also goes through some of the challenges and also some really good tips that um, he sort of lives by with his teaching and how he sort of got where he has today. And I suppose the really big takeaway for me from today's interview with Luke is that you can tell by the energy in his voice that he loves what he does. He's really passionate about it. And you'll get that feeling from the content and information that he provides in today's interview. Not only that, but as always, I ask my guests about a icebreaker, a team building activity at the end. And I've crowned Luke so far, uh, even though it is episode 41, as the best one I've heard. So guys, not only will we get amazing tips uh, about teaching all abilities and special needs students, you also get to hear Luke's amazing journey, but then you'll get one of the best icebreakers you'll ever hear. So guys, strap in. This is going to be epic. Today's episode is sponsored by Learning With Games. Engage your students in the classroom with high-quality game-based and gamification resources. With supporting video and downloadable templates, Learning With Games makes it easy for you to implement game-based learning. Check it out now at www.learningwith.games. Luke, thanks for joining me, buddy. How are you, mate? Yeah, g'day, Dale. Thanks for having me on, mate. I'm uh, really pleased to be here tonight, and yeah, let's have a chat. Perfect, mate. Now, um, for listeners out there, could you maybe just give a little bit of a background on maybe upbringing and um, where you went to school and things like that? Yeah, so um, country Victorian lad back in the day, a shepherd and boy. Uh, you might know all about that. <laughs> um, good Catholic boy who went to uh, Notre Dame College, studied there. When I finished up, I, um, I moved away to Ballarat to study teaching, um, a great great town and a great spot to study teaching. Uh, finished up there with a bachelor degree in um, health and PE um, and yeah and then decided I'd do a little bit of travel. Went away for a few years to London, um, worked there as a teacher and that's where I gained some more experience I guess in, in what we'll talk about today in all abilities and working with children with special needs. I guess that's where I really fell in love with the, that side of schools. Um, moved back from there, taught seven years at Ballarat Specialist School and recently moved to Queensland to um, take on a new position up here and I've, um, I'm a head of special education and a deputy principal at a, a local primary school. So yeah, education's been good to me so far. Fantastic mate. So did you go straight over to London without uh, gaining a teaching position in Australia? You just went straight over? Yeah, I did. So um, uh, at the end of sort of the fourth year of uni, we had a lot of people coming in and talking about how wonderful London is and the job opportunities that are there. 
Um, and, I, and I sort of explored into it and looked at what, what opportunities were there for teachers um, and, and really didn't need the teaching experience as long as you had the degree behind you. So, um, yeah, made the move, took the, made the leap, uh, as you could say, and, and went across and did two years in London. Um, and I'd highly recommend it to any teacher out there that's looking at um, something different. And I think the skills that I learnt there were amazing. I, at the end of it, I was able to teach in over 50 different schools um, in my time in London, from special needs schools to quite well to do posh schools um, to schools in some rougher areas. And so the people you meet along the trip and the journey, just they do, they shape and mould this kind of teacher you become uh, down the road. Yeah, so I, I know as well, I lived over there with you, mate, and uh, I speak about it a lot, and a lot of the guests I speak to have also lived, and not only lived, but uh, taught overseas, and it's really sort of valuable development for their teaching. Now, you mentioned a little bit that you taught a little bit of special needs. Did you get a little bit of a feel for it in London, and then sort of come back and gain that job at Ballarat Special School? Yeah, so I really got the, got the taste for it, actually, as a, as a part-time job at uni. Um, taking um, adults and students with disabilities on uh, on camps during my uh, term breaks. Um, so I really started to form some um, sort of bonds towards the special needs and some interest and things started to flow there. And then, yeah, when I was teaching in London, worked at some uh, really good autistic schools um, that, that sort of I thought, oh, well, this is something different, this is a challenge. Um, and not only challenging my teaching, but also challenging me as a person and sort of get that moral compass going and thinking, you know, what, what is there and how can I help these people and there's more to this than, than just the day-to-day teaching. So I really find that part of it interesting, that not only you're, you're teaching, but it's also that all those life skills that come along. Um, so then lucky enough, when I finished my time in London, came back to Ballarat um, and, yeah, got a job at the Ballarat Specialist School. It was something I sort of fell into in a way, but something I was also looking for at the time. Um, and, yeah, and spent the last six years there before having this year up here in Queensland. Yeah, fantastic. And now um, we will get into, obviously, special needs and teaching all abilities, and um, you're going to give us some real big insights and some tips and everything like that. But I want to mm. know personally from yourself, so you've gone from teaching hands-on every day and I know now that um, this year recently that you've gone into a leadership position um, assistant principal what have you found different from obviously uh, teaching hands-on every day now to doing sort of a managerial sort of role yeah big difference huge difference Um, the workload doubles so you have to be prepared for that Um, and it's a it's a lot more dealing than with with your staff with your parent groups, your outside organisations, dealing with big budgets and different things like that. So it's that big picture operational stuff within the school. Um, and I think it's, you know, really building those relationships early with staff, your parents, um, truly makes the, the year a lot easier for you if you can have those um, relationships happening. Um, and I think a real big tip that I'd probably have for anyone is to be able to walk alongside your staff, um, trying not to micromanage along the way, but trusting your staff to make decisions um, and standing by the decisions of your staff and putting the trust in them to um, to work together in this. Yeah, nice, mate. So would you sort of say, like I know when I was straight out of university and teaching for the first year, that I was just felt like I was 
like sinking all the time and it wasn't until the end of the year that I was like wow I actually got through that is it sort of similar thing now going into that managerial sort of role and that you're not teaching and you feel like you've started from scratch again yeah, it, it does, and I think even more so that I've changed systems. So the the Victorian system to the Queensland system, uh, believe it or not, we're living in the one country, but they couldn't be different <laughs> different from one another. Sometimes I think that yeah, I'm in a different country altogether. <laughs> so it can be challenging. Um, the different systems, the different um, ways they go about it up here. Um, however. It, it comes back to kids and, and, and we're all there for the, that reason of trying to get the best out of the individual student. Um, and there's definitely been times, yeah, this year that I've come home from school going, wow, am I in over my head? But I think I look around and I, I see that there's deputy principals in every single primary school that I drive home past. And I think, well, if they're, they're able to do it, someone's walking, doing that job out there, that there's no reason why I can't uh, dig my heels in and get the job done as well. Yeah, perfect, mate. I know you just mentioned a little bit there about obviously the amazing experiences you have with the students. So um, teaching in like special needs and all abilities, what are some of the best parts about your job? So not only now obviously in a managerial role, but when you were um, in the classroom as well, what were what are some of the best parts that just make you want to keep coming back and why you actually love your job so much? Yeah. Look, I, th- I think I'm really lucky, Dale. I- I'd be one of the only people, I think, or well, not the only people, but I really do get up of a morning and, and want to go to work, um, driving to work, thinking about the tasks that I'm going to undertake in the day and, and actually get excited to be getting to work. Um, and that's-, that's mainly to do with the people I'm working with at the moment and the, and the kids that I get to work with every day. Kids with disabilities um, are amazing. They do put a smile on your face. Um, and it's those challenges within those students and their little quirkinesses and just just the, everything about them sort of does it excites me and how I can get through to a new student and that every disability is so different from one another and how can I get into that student and get the best from them and get the best results out of that student and it can be little things along the way that will just put a smile on your face and 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 keeps me waking up the next day wanting to come and I think that that is special education if you can find that and you love that then yeah you truly do want to go to work every day it's a very good point and I I think one thing that sets you apart and I know I've taught with you a couple of times over in London um do you think your energy and the way you approach your teaching makes a big difference particularly when you rock up to a school and there are children with different different disabilities and different issues and learning conditions and things like that. Do you think by that positive energy that you just apply to them straight away, that's really made a big difference? Absolutely. Uh, I, I think you've got to apply that to show that straight away to your staff as well. If you're up and about and your staff get up and about, that then flows onto the, the students, that, that staff well-being. And if I can keep my self up and going and, and, and really enjoying what I'm doing and spread that into my staff, my staff are then going to spread that down into my into my students and they definitely create a happier workplace and a happier environment for these students and thus get the best results out of these students going forward. Yeah. So I- that yeah, that high high yeah, that high energy is definitely important in teaching. I think if, the moment you go walk into that classroom and and you show that you're not on your game that day, the students will take advantage of it. 
It's, uh, there's a very, very good point, mate. The old energy is infectious, isn't it? It doesn't matter if you're dealing with parents, teachers, staff, students, anybody. Um, I think everybody can take a good leaf out of that book. Now, we've That's talked cool. about, obviously, the best part about your job and things like that, but all schools and jobs have challenges. Is there is there different challenges you find in an all-ability school than what you found when you're teaching in London in, you know, in a mainstream schooling system? Yeah, I think... Part of some of the challenges that I face day to day, um, I guess autism is a new disability. It's not a new disability. It's a disability that's coming to the forefront more and more. Um, so I think it's about one in every 100 Australian kids now diagnosed with um, autism spectrum disorder. Um, it's even more prevalent in boys. Um, and in the last 10 years, it's, it's doubled. So it's getting that information and keeping on top of the information and what's new out there, what's the ne- next bit of research that's coming and making sure I'm staying on top of that, that whatever's new, innovative happening now, you need to be involved in that and you need to be making sure that your school, your staff know about it and taking that on. So that's the challenge for me uh, at the moment. Um, and it's that um, day-to-day stuff. So making sure that we're, we're doing what we can for these students every single day, that, um, that they do have their differences, um, but what am I doing to make sure they're catered for during the day? Yeah, so do you, do you think, um, you just obviously some really good stats here about autism, and there are so many other different uh, issues on the spectrum and things like that today so is upskilling so much more important in an all ability school than a mainstream school yes uh, i think it's as important anyway um and i definitely think staff teachers these days need to take responsibility for that for the responsibility for their own pd for making sure that they're going out and chasing what's what's new what's happening um you know, making sure that we're reading, um, talking to other teachers, listening to podcasts like this, just keeping your, your finger on the pulse at all times, knowing what's out there, what's new, um, so that your teaching is is at the top of its game at all times. Yeah, that's a really good really good point that, uh, you know, it's not always up to the school to upskill staff, that they need to be, you know, and the majority of them want to because they want to learn, they want to get better, and they want to find a better way to serve the students. But it is a constant reminder that you need to be on top of your game. And um, I think you made a really good point that it doesn't matter what school you're teaching in, you, you need to be constantly working on it and bettering yourself. And um, I think that yeah. sort of leads into the next one. And this is where I know I've had a lot of questions lately um, from a lot of teachers I've worked with in teaching agencies and things like that on just some certain tips and maybe little ways that they could, if they went into a, a special needs school or ability school, um, maybe some tips that would just be like they could just remember. So I don't know if you've maybe got one or two or three tips, Luke, yeah. that you might be able to just share that you know would be really beneficial and make teachers out there feel more comfortable when they go into a school like this that they're not as comfortable teaching in. Mm-hmm. Um, my biggest tip would be patience. Um, I think I got it wrong for, for, for many years that I was trying to force things that weren't going to happen or um, I very much like to see results straight away uh, and, and it's taking that step back, having the patience with these students that they, they can take a little bit longer. They do need a little bit extra to, to be able to grasp the concept or to be able to move from one place in the school to the other and it's it's being able to find that if you have that patience, you show that you're there for that student over and over and over, that they will 
come on in leaps and bounds. So definitely number one for me, patience. Cool, yep. Uh, number two, joy factor. If you don't have the joy factor, get out of teaching. You've got to find the joy factor every time you walk into that classroom. Those students want to be there. They want to be having fun. They want to be learning alongside one another. Um, and, yeah, and, and, and I'll tell you what, you'll enjoy your teaching a lot more if you bring the joy factor to that classroom every single day. I think that's really important. The joy and, factor. Uh, Sorry, mate. The joy factor. I haven't heard of that. I've heard people refer to it other things, but I, I like that, the joy factor. I think that's... Uh, yeah, and that's that goes across the board. I don't. I don't think that's just special needs. Is it? That's everywhere you go. If you're not enjoying it, you shouldn't. Uh, shouldn't be doing it. You shouldn't be doing it. And uh, leads me into number three is um, yeah, reading. So I'm reading a, a book at the moment. I'm not sure if you know it. It's called Teach Like a Champion: 62 Techniques to Just Better Yourself as a Teacher. Okay. Uh, I can recommend that. I'm not sure if I can do a plug over your thing here, but I've just uh, <laughs> no, you can. <laughs> any, hey, you any teachers can. out there that want to be better, definitely read uh, "Teach Like a Champion." And in there, there's a section on joy factor and just how important it is. But um, yeah, Perfect. keeping on top of those readings is really important. So, just a little bit off topic, but I, I like reading books such as that as well. Do you find that reading is something that you? like make part of your daily routine and things like that, that it's just a must, Luke? Yeah, it is. It's something I've had to teach myself over time. It's it, Reading's not something that came naturally to me. Growing up, I was definitely one to be outside doing something else rather than inside reading a book. But it, it is something I've built into my routine and I, I would always have a book on the go these days. Um, uh, mainly I try and keep it educational, keep it work-based, um, something like that. And then come the holidays, I like to whip into a biography of some sort but um yeah through the term i like to have some sort of reading going and, and, and it can be just a journal paper from time to time just something that's keeping that brain going that you know that you can bring to the table yeah, so i think reading is really important for a teacher to always have something on the go and I think that comes back to your point as well, you know, the always upskilling and that's a lot of the time what reading is. And by reading, well, I'm, I'm going to look into that, Teach Like a Champion. Sounds uh, really cool. 62 rules or laws. I, I like that a lot. Now, i um, got a couple of questions to go, Luke. One, yeah. one is um, if teachers are out there and they're a bit sort of sceptical about teaching in a special needs school or all abilities, um, if you maybe just sum it up in a couple of sentences, why, why should they try this and why do you find it so rewarding? Yeah, so number one, the students are amazing. Uh, that they, they really do make the job all the worthwhile. Um, two, I think there's a, many job opportunities out there in um, in special needs at the moment. We're we're crying out for good special needs teachers. So if you're thinking of a, a, of a bit of a career change and you want to be able to move up the ladder or you know branch out and experience many different things. I think special needs is, is really a, a growing market and somewhere that you can and do that. Um, and it's challenging and rewarding. Um, it challenges you as, as, as a teacher, but it also challenges you as a person. Um, I think that's what's so, so important about it. I think normal teaching really challenges you as a teacher, but teaching um, students with disabilities challenges you both as a teacher and as a person. That's, that's a really good point, mate. And I suppose the big thing is people, teachers will not know that it's not for them if they don't give it a go. So if, I suppose if there's an opportunity that comes out there, like like you have, you're sort of the accidental, you know, all abilities guru now, and that's just because you sort of fell into the job. So your big sort of message there is give it a go. 
absolutely give it a go. And and yeah, and it was yeah something when I was sixteen, seventeen would wouldn't even have thought about. But um, definitely now when I'm sitting here at thirty one, very glad that I that I have given it a go and and the opportunities that it's it's given me. And yeah, I'm sitting up here in Queensland now. Um, as a deputy principal in a, in a, and working with students with disabilities every day and, and loving my, my position. Yeah, and you can, I think everybody listening will be able to tell that uh, you're very passionate and you do love what you do, Luke. So I think that shines out and the message you've brought across now. I like to always finish with this one because uh, I'm a big fan of icebreakers and team building games and I know uh, from living close to you in London and uh, teaching with you in London that you're a big fan of these as well. Now, it might be hard to narrow it down to one, but do you have maybe one icebreaker or one team building activity that just never failed for you that like would always be a winner with the students? Yeah, I, I, I like this question. I had a bit of a think about it today and I think the best icebreaker or team building games are those ones that you take the competitiveness out of it and that there's no winner or loser in the situation and you really can build that team together. So when you're looking at your class and you take away that sort of aspect of anyone winning or losing and you're already isolating students within your class. One that uh, I always like to play is called uh, the, the Talking Spider. Very simple one. You're sitting in a circle and you, the teacher starts with a ball of wool uh, says a fact about themselves to introduce themselves to the class, holds the one end of the ball of wool and throws it to another student who uh, catches it, says a fact about themselves and then passes it on to another student and everybody has a go and you end up making a web um, between all the students with the wool. Um, you get the students to stand up and you talk about how strong our web is when we're all working together, uh, when everyone's pulling their little bit and then you ask a couple of the students to let go of it their piece of wool and you see that the the integrity of the web uh, falls away and you talk about how that if there's one or two of us and they aren't doing the right thing or aren't pulling our piece of wool, that our uh, web will break down quite easily. So you can just have a chat to the students about that. Um, and there's variations in, in the game too that I like that you can be up the, uh, you can get the students to tell a fact about themselves. You can get the students to be asking questions it depends on where you want to go with that sort of um, lesson. Mate, I, I love that. I've never heard that one. I suppose that comes down to sort of talking about resilience and, you know, being part of a team as well. If you're not pulling your weight, then, you know, you're going to be letting down your classmates and so forth like that. So I suppose the best really – that's, a, that's yeah. a really good point there that um, all games should not – there shouldn't be a winner or loser. And what that does, it uh, – makes everyone feel safe, makes everyone feel part of something and um, a little bit of fun, pretty cool spider web as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Luke, that, uh, I'd probably I'm going to rate that as uh, probably the best icebreaker team building game that I've heard. And, and not only that, good advice that um, games aren't always about winning and losing and so forth. So um, yeah. some of the really big takeaways I've got away, and I think these are for teachers in general, that you know, patience is important. Make sure you're reading and keeping your upskill, but the joy factor, that's uh, it's a really big message I've taken away from today, buddy. Yeah, thank you, Dale. Always a pleasure when I have a chat with you. Thanks, Luke. I really appreciate you being on the podcast. Hope you enjoyed that, guys. Cheers. Good on you. Good night.